You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. We're talking about serving. Everyone say serving. And serving's a powerful thing. I think sometimes when you talk about serving, people think, well, this just isn't a powerful message. I'd re- I want you to preach on faith or preach on the blood or preach on, on Jesus. Well, when you preach on serving, you are preaching on Jesus. Amen. Because as we looked at last week, he was a servant. But this is a message of power. I said, this is a message of power. I love what the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, it talks about that you've been set free by the work of Jesus Christ. And then it says, don't use your freedom to indulge in your lust, but use your freedom to serve one another in brotherly love. So every time you serve, it's a demonstration of how Jesus has set you free. (laughs) No, 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 no. You got to get that. Hallelujah. Every time you serve, it's a demonstration of how Jesus has set you free. There's power in this message. Amen. And Jesus has set you free. And now he wants to know what are you doing with the freedom I've given you? You know, we took the youth group to the zoo yesterday. And uh, I don't know, it's just something about the zoo. It's so entertaining. But we came to the bird's nest and, uh, you know, it was the eagle's nest. And they had this giant mammoth. Eagles are so majestic. They're so beautiful. I remember when I lived in Colorado, we used to go up onto the, the, the cliff. There was a valley. We lived in the foothills, the last row of foothills before the Rocky Mountains. And there was this cliff at the final foothill. And the, the eagle had built his nest right in the cliff of that rock. And it was fantastic. But, you know, we'd just watch him soar and come land in that nest. And I was thinking about that bird. And I was, man, I was wondering, I wonder if he's jealous of all of his little bird friends that he sees flying around this cage. Right? And he, he had his back turned towards us, and he was just watching out in the trees and wouldn't look at us. And, and I was wondering, in my mind, I know it's silly, but I wonder what, it, what he's thinking about, what it would be like to be free. Listen, you don't have to wonder what it's like to be free. Jesus has set you free. Glory to God. And the Word of God says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. So he's already set you free. Someone say, I'm free. Now he wants you to use that freedom to serve one another in brotherly love. There's power in this message. Amen. And so we're going to look at it real quick. I want to review. We're talking about how serving benefits you. Lots of times when we talk about serving, we always focus on how it affects our community, how it affects our church. And there are benefits that when you serve, it does help the church. The book of Ephesians chapter four talks about when every part's serving and doing its own special work, then every other part is healthy and growing and full of love. So we know it benefits the church. We know it benefits our city when we, when we, you know, go and feed the homeless like we do on Tuesdays. When we go out and we reach and we go to Manor House on Mondays and we go and we serve our community, it benefits them. But also there's some benefits for you when you serve. And we looked at last week, a couple of the benefits. I'm just going to review them real quick in case you missed it. Number one, as we serve, it makes us more like Jesus. And I asked you this question, isn't that the goal? Come on, Christian in its simplest terms means Christ-like ones. Right. And so if I'm a Christian, which means Christ like ones, and that my, that means my life should be a reflection of him. Amen. When you see me, you see him. And that's what Jesus said. Right. When you see me, you've seen the father. And so that's interesting, too. Jesus went about serving. Travis just talked about it and doing good. Amen. And we see where he served the multitudes. We looked in a specific detail last week when he washed the feet of the disciples. And then I love what he said. I've given you an example to follow. 
So he said, listen, I've humbled myself and I've washed the feet of those serving with me in ministry. I've lowered myself and become a lowly position of a servant. And then Jesus went on and he said this, the greatest among you would be those who served. Amen. And so then he didn't just serve, but he told us to follow in his example. When you serve, you're following the example of your king. Amen. The next thing we talked about is how when we serve, we receive our training. There's things that are imparted to you. I don't know exactly how God does it, but when you serve, he imparts things to you that equip you to be able to fight out in the fields to walk in victory. And we looked at David. You remember he was out taking care of his father's sheep and nobody deemed what he was. No one seemed to deem what he was doing as important. But he knew it was important because he was receiving some training. Right. And then when Goliath challenged the armies of God, what did he say? He said, listen, I've been taking care of my daddy's sheep. And while I was out there, I learned how to slay a bear. I learned how to slay a lion and I'll slay this uncircumcised Philistine as well. Amen. And so you get training when you serve that allows you to walk in victory in the world. Did you know when somebody at work says they've got a headache, you're not just to go, oh man, that stinks. You're supposed to pray with them and let them receive healing right there at the office. Well, where do you learn how to do that? By serving in church. Amen. See, there's supposed to be a demonstration of what you believe, and that's not just in church. Oh, come on now. Let's go. You, we're supposed to take Jesus outside of the walls of the church. Amen. And the way we do that is what, well, by what we learn in the walls of the church. And so when you train and you learn and you receive all that God has for you, it allows you to walk in power when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at Kroger, when you're at Walmart. Lord Jesus, Walmart needs Jesus. Can I get a witness? Amen. And y'all think I just make fun of Walmart. I used to work there, so I understand. Hallelujah. I have inside information. They need Jesus. All right. Glory to God. And so now let's look at some other ones. Amen. When we serve, one way it benefits us, and this one's important, it keeps us from becoming selfish and prideful. You know, there's a lot of selfish Christians, right? A lot of Christians that are puffed up with pride. But that's not who we are. I want to read this scripture in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Now listen, I don't know if being selfish causes us to be prideful. Or being prideful causes us to be selfish. I just know they're both bad. (laughs) Right? And so I don't want anything to do with either one of them. But I do know when I'm selfish, I get caught in pride. And when I'm prideful, I get caught in being selfish. Amen. And the two of these work together. So I want nothing to do with them. Listen to this scripture in Isaiah. This is interesting. And how you fall from heaven, O day star. O day star means Lucifer. So we're talking about Satan, the son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the ground, O destroyer of the nations. Now look, verse 13. You said in your heart, I will send to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God's. I will sit on the Mount of the assembly uh, in the far reaches of the north. I will send above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself the most high. Satan had a me mentality. And his problem was his actions and his life was all about him. And it was pride that got him cast out of his possession. It was his me mentality that cost him everything. Woo, glory to God. Did you know as the body of Christ and as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are not supposed to have a me mentality. But when we serve, we attack our me mentality. 
Because when we serve, what we're doing is we're making our life about the lives of others. We're making our life, uh, we're working it in a way to where when we serve, how can I benefit you? How can I help you? And as you serve, you attack your me mentality. And when you attack your me mentality, it keeps you from becoming prideful and it keeps you from becoming selfish. If the devil's entire life was all about him, then I don't want my life to be about him, my, about me. Right? I don't want to be like the devil. I want to be like Jesus. Right? So you see the devil, his life was about him, but Jesus, his life was about others. When you serve, you attack your me mentality. Philippians 2 verses 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Now look into your own interest, but to the interest of others. Serving keeps us from being selfish. Joyce Meyer, she said this. She did a series on serving. It was wonderful. And she said, any relationship you get into, any relationship you get into, the first thought you think should be, how can I make your life better? Any relationship that you get into, any relationship, even with the check, you know, the cash register, the, well, now it's a machine. I don't know how you can make that machine better. Hallelujah. But when someone's actually checking you out at Walmart or at the gas station or at the uh, the drive-thru, anytime you engage in a relationship with somebody, your first thought should be, how can I make your life better? And as you make others' lives better, it becomes less about you. And when it becomes less about you, I love what he said, I think it was in the book of Luke, right? I need to decrease so God or Jesus can increase, right? It's all about decreasing me. Because I don't want to glorify me, I want to glorify him. And the way I glorify him is by serving others. Amen? Everyone say, I'm a servant. Philippians chapter two, verses six through eight. We're going to run through this stuff because we got a lot to get to in a little bit of time. Who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, listen, Jesus emptied himself. He poured out his life for others. When it comes to serving, the biggest hurdle you're going to have to jump is the letter I. And we hear this all the time. I've even said it before. I just don't have time right now. Or I don't feel like I'm qualified. Or I don't think that's for me. Or with the praise and worship team, I don't have those clothes. I, and, and, and what are we doing? Well, we're having a me mentality. It's all about I, 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 I. And we need to stop focusing on the reasons why we can't do something and start focusing on the word of God that has told us to do something. Amen. We've been called to serve. And so we need to get over the hurdle of I and we need to start understanding that he's called us to serve one another in brotherly love. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. I have. <laughs> I love this scripture. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So guess what? You have the right not to serve, but is it beneficial? You have the right not to serve, but is it constructive? Not everything you have the, uh uh-oh, we're going to get into it now. Hallelujah. Here we go. We're moving into the house. Amen. You have the right to do a lot of things, but is it beneficial? Ooh, that's good preaching. You have the right to do a lot of things, but is it constructive? 
Are what we do and with our lives building up those around us? Is it beneficial to those around us? Is it constructive to those around us? Verse 24, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So I may have the right not to serve, but guess what? It's beneficial for me and others to serve, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. And I wrote this down. We will not, we cannot and will not seek the good of others if we are selfish. We cannot and we will not seek the good of others if we're selfish. Serving in the body of Christ keeps us from becoming selfish. Amen. It empowers us and equips us to help people. Philippians chapter 2 verse 17. But I will rejoice if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just as you are faithful service is an offering to God, I want all of you to share in that joy. And so I want to be like the Apostle Paul. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And then he said, I pour out my life like a liquid offering. Let our lives be a liquid offering to God. Amen. You know what I've realized in the day and age we live in? It seems to me, and this may not be accurate, but it seems to me that people are more willing to give their money than to give their time. It's almost like time is more expensive and more valuable than money. Nobody wants to invest their time. Right? Because our time is precious and is valuable. We'd rather, we'd rather, uh-oh, we'd rather throw money right at the homeless outreach instead of actually going and serving the homeless. Amen. We'd rather throw money at this and that instead of giving our time to go serve in this and that. Listen, the only way to serve God is not with your money. That is part of it. Yes, but he wants your life. That means your time. Amen. And in all things, we should give our time. Glory to God. Everyone say I'm a servant. And so let's let our lives be poured out like a liquid offering. And when we let our lives be poured out like a liquid offering, we won't be selfish and we won't be prideful. Amen. The next way it benefits us is we get to experience the peace and the joy that comes from obedience. You've been called to serve. We looked at it last week. We laid the foundation about the word of God. And we looked at all the scriptures that told you to serve. Amen. You will never experience God's peace and the joy that you're supposed to have if you don't get into obedience. I'll just help you all out this morning. There's no joy without obedience. Until you start fulfilling the purpose of the one that created you, yes, you may have moments of joy, but everlasting joy comes through obedience. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, Truly, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Out of the Amplified, it reads this way. If you know these things, you are blessed, happy and favored by God. If you put them into practice and faithfully do them. Listen, our happiness or our joy is connected to our obedience. I'll say that again. Our happiness and our joy is connected to our obedience. Now, we don't really like that word happy because we understand that happy is more of an emotional response. But that word joy in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, in the latter part, it describes this, that the joy of the Lord will be my strength. Right? Well, how do I get joy? I get joy because I'm obeying God. Can I tell you, before I was walking in obedience to him and before I was serving him, I had no joy. Right? I didn't start. My happiness was so, uh, it was up and down. And my life was a roller coaster. But the moment I yielded myself and got into full obedience with God. Now we can stand and debate that. I don't know that there's really such thing as partial obedience. You're either in or you're out. 
right? It's like being on an elevator. You can't be halfway in an elevator and halfway out of an elevator. It just doesn't work, <laughs> right? When it comes to the will of God, you're either in it or you're out of it. Amen. And so I want to be all the way in it. Let's go over to John chapter 15. Y'all doing all right this morning? Now, you know, these scriptures, we'll just read verses nine through 17. It says, if I've loved you as the father has loved me, remain in my love. When you obey me, you will remain in my love just as I obeyed my father, remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. So what's he talking about? He's talking about obedience and he's talking about love. Right. Both of those things are required to serve in the body of Christ. And then notice how he puts obedience and love and then he segues right into joy. Oh, this is really good. Hallelujah. See, a lot of us want joy and we want to be happy, but we don't want to obey God. <laughs> I can get on that soapbox and I could preach if you want me to. So just say amen and I'll move on. Hallelujah. <laughs> we want joy and we want to be happy, but we don't want to obey God. I'm telling you, your joy is connected to your obedience. Right? And someone say glory to God. He says, I've told you so that your joy, that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I've loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? Well, he knelt down and washed their feet. He served them. Love others the way I've loved you. Right. And then he also talked about love. And he said that if you'll love, you'll fulfill all the other commandments by this one doing this one thing. You'll fulfill all the other commandments. I'm telling you, your joy is connected to your obedience. Yes, your joy will overflow. I love that. So you're not just going to have a little bit of it. You want a lot of strength? Then obey God. Because when you obey God, you have joy. And when you have joy, you have strength. Come on, it benefits you to serve. Verse 13, I've commanded you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And here's how you measure it. The greatest love is shown when, uh-oh, when what? When people lay down their lives. So your joy is connected to how you lay down your lives for others, because when you lay down your lives for others, you're walking in obedience to God. And when you're walking in obedience to God, now you can receive the joy of the Lord. That is your strength. See, if we just start pouring out our bodies and our lives like a living sacrifice, like a liquid before God. Now we've set ourselves up to receive his joy in turn, receive his strength. Everybody say, I'm a servant. You lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. No longer I call you servants because a master does not confide in his servants. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce fruit. Now that word right there is fruit is interesting because what do we see in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. Amen. Your joy is connected to your obedience. And this is why a lot of people that are Christians are miserable is because they're not serving in the church. And since they're not serving in the church, they have no joy. Their life's not producing any fruit. Come on now. And when we start producing fruit, we begin to walk in all the promises that are yes and amen. Amen. Your joy is connected to your obedience. I pointed you to go out and produce fruit that will last. That's the good thing about joy is it's lasting. You know, it's not like happiness that is affected by all things around us. Joy is an eternal word. Yeah. Amen. And when you serve, you have this eternal fruit that's working in your life. And the eternal fruit of joy produces strength. Amen. Amen. That's why you can look at all the things around you and you can do what the Apostle Paul said. Rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Amen. How can you rejoice when the world is ugly and sad? Because you have joy. And the reason you have joy is because you're walking in obedience. 
As I obey him, I get the fruit of joy. And when I have joy, I have strength. Amen. Glory to God. So we understand that joy is powerful. Psalm 1611, it says, you'll show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Job 3611 says, if they obey me, someone say obey. If they obey me and serve him, then they will end their days in prosperity and their years in happiness. Amen. So as we serve, we get the fruit of joy and happiness, the joy of obeying God. Amen. And there's no other way for you to have joy other than to lay your life down for Jesus. That's a good word. Someone say glory to God. The next benefit is when we serve, it allows us to grow in our faith. Can I just tell you something? All the teams here at Cornerstone World of Life Church, they use their faith when they serve. If you think the worship team just gets up here and sings, you got another thing coming. I've never been in any of their meetings, but I guarantee you they're believing God for the anointing. They're using, because you have to understand, yes, in Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But faith is a muscle. It must be exercised. And as you serve, you get to exercise that muscle. When the praise and worship team comes down here, they're believing God. They're exercising that muscle for the anointing to fall on the people as they worship God. So lives can be radically changed because the word of God says it's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing that removes the yoke of bondage from our lives. They need the anointing. How do they get the anointing? They believe God. It's not the songs they sing. It's the faith they're using Why they sing those songs. When you serve, it increases your faith because you're using your faith to serve. Don't you know our parking lot team believes God for good weather? If they don't, they ought to be. (laughs) Do you know that the ushers are believing God that there's no disruptions during the service? Listen to me now. No usher wants to go to a mom or a dad and ask them to leave the service because their baby's being disruptive. No usher wants to have that conversation. That's not a conversation they want to have. So what do they do? They believe God. They really do. And if a baby starts getting disruptive, you know what they do? They start looking for me or Pastor Belinda. Because no one wants to have that conversation. I don't know what Pastor Belinda does. I just hide in the sound room. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a cable down here somewhere that needs to be fixed. Let me get underneath the counter. Hallelujah. So no one calls on me. I remember one time I was serving in this meeting, uh, Pastor JC up in Effingham, Illinois, used to have these meetings called Crossroads, and it's where my parents uh, used to go way back in the, the late 90s, and it's where I met Pastor Mark and Pastor Rhonda, and Pastor Mark took an interest in me because he found out when I was in high school I used to ride bulls, and he just thought that was the coolest thing since sliced bread. So I've been real cool to Pastor Mark for a long time. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, it, and it was interesting. They always needed help, and so I always served as an usher. And we'd have these usher meetings and they would talk about believing God while you're serving. And I remember it so vividly. They put me in the back right corner. I was like somewhere over here where Danny and Miss Christine are sitting. And I was sitting there and Dan Ellis was taking up the offering before the minister. I think it was Pastor Mark Brzee got up there to minister. He's taking up the offering. And I'm just sitting there, you know, looking at the star, you know, looking up, not really paying attention. I was 17, y'all, right? And so, you know, I'm supposed to be ushering, but I've done checked out. Y'all have been there before. Some of y'all there right now. All right, it's fine. And I done checked out and I wasn't paying attention to anything going on. And then all of a sudden, the guy right next to me, he stands up and he starts shouting at the top of his lungs that we're preaching witchcraft and Lord forgive us for we serve money and not God. And they just told us in our usher meeting, if anybody's disruptive, grab them and drag them out. (laughs) 
And so I'm sitting there and this guy at the top of his lungs and the room is just full to capacity of people. And he's like, forgive us, Lord, for we serve money and not God. And he's spitting and I'm just sitting there looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, someone should do something about this. (laughs) Tell this dude to sit down or shut up, you know. And then all of a sudden the other head usher, his name was Dan, him and his wife live out in uh, California. And he just, he was a big, tall guy. He was like 6'3". He jumped across me and he grabbed this guy and he dragged him. And by the time the guy's feet got on my lap, I was like, oh yeah, I'm an usher, you know what I mean? (laughs) Grab him and drag him out of here. Get him, boys, you know. And I'm dragging him because he was disruptive to church, right? And I remember as we're dragging him out, he said, I'm just trying to follow the spirit. Dan said one of my favorite things. He said, you got the wrong spirit. (laughs) It was so good. I was like, man, this guy's getting after it. But listen, I told you all of that because ushers believe God. I remember sitting in my dad's church service and, uh, you know, uh, our head usher, his name was Dan Ellis as well. And uh, he, he used to tell me stories of how when we'd have prayer lines, he'd believe God to know which way people were going to fall before they fell. Because, you know, a church like ours, we got many fallers. And that's not a bad thing. But there's different ways to fall. You know, you got the sack of potatoes, they go straight down. Right? You got the, you got the, the little joggers who's going to find a seat. That's me. You know, <laughs> there's a seat back here somewhere. Glory to God. I'm going to find it. Y'all know I'm talking. You got the forward followers. Pastor Mark lays hands on them and they go like, like you're going the wrong way. You know what I mean? I can't help you if you go that way. What are you doing? You know, backwards trust fall. There's no ushers up there. It's just you and Pastor Mark. But he said, I believe God to show me which way people fall before they fall. What's he doing? He's exercising. Now, y'all, don't, don't let that quench your ability to receive from the Holy When they lay your hands on you now, if you, you know, whatever. <laughs> Felt like I had to say that because now no one's going to fall. <laughs> am I a bag of potatoes? Am I a job? What am I? <laughs> just when the power of God hits you, you just respond. Amen. Here's an usher back there somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> We need more of them. Hallelujah. So sign up and help. <laughs> but you know what? If it's the presence of God and you go down, you're going to be all right. Usher or no usher. I've been in India. I've seen them fall out on concrete floors with no usher in the building. Their head bounces like a basketball. And I'm like, they dead. I just watched them die. <laughs> that happened right here in front of me. And then you know what? They get up and they start rejoicing. I'm like, okay, it must have been God. Hallelujah. But when we serve, we believe God. And you know what else serving does is it builds relationships. And when you build relationships, people confide in you. They tell you about problems they're having at work, problems they're having at family. And do you know how you help them carry those burdens? By faith. And you believe God with one another. Right? And as you believe in God with one another, it stretches your own faith muscle so you can believe God for your family. When you believe God with a a fellow usher, you know, a fellow uh, parking lot team member to get a raise and to get a bonus, and you believe God with them and they get a raise and they get a bonus, that inspires you in your faith. Amen. And so one of the benefits is when we serve, we grow in our own faith. Listen to these scriptures, Galatians chapter two, uh, or I'm sorry, six, verse two, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. The only way to carry another's burden is by faith. Let me believe God with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, as you are doing. How do we do this? We do this by faith. 
When you serve in the body, it benefits you because you're growing in faith. Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We know that. Romans 10, chapter se- uh, verse 17 teaches us that. There's no other way for faith to come to you. But how do you exercise your faith? How do you use your faith? Well, you exercise your faith and you use your faith by having a confession of faith. Yes, but you also exercise your faith and use your faith by serving others. I'm going to believe God. You know, uh, uh, I know this is no one in the room, but you ever had that morning you wake up and you don't feel like coming to church? Yeah, thank you for that one honest person in the building. Hallelujah. Right? But just imagine being on the meet and greet team and you don't feel like being at church. But yet you're going to smile. And you're going to put on a good face. How are you going to do that? I'm going to do that by faith. I don't feel like being here, but I'm going to be here and I'm going to do my best. And if I have to do it by faith, then guess what? All the emotions will catch up because I'm not led by my emotions. I'm not led by my soul. I'm led by the spirit. According to Romans 8 verse, verse 14, the children of God are led by the spirit of God. Amen. So I'm going to come and I'm going to serve by faith. And as I do that, I'm exercising a muscle. So now when my family has a problem, I know how to believe God. I just had a conversation with somebody the other day on the phone asking me, how do I believe God? Well, guess what? You can exercise that muscle and you can learn how to walk by faith because that's what the word of God says. We don't walk by sight, but we live by faith. You can learn how to do that while you serve. Our altar care team, they don't just take people to the back room and pray with them. They're believing God that they get everything they're supposed to get. You learn how to use faith, the faith that's been given to you. The Bible says that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You have faith right now, but do you know how to use it? When you serve, you learn how to use it. Why? Because you're believing God for each other. You're believing God for the church. You're believing God for the service. You exercise that faith muscle. Amen. And finally, it allows us to experience and be a part of miracles. Allows us to experience and be a part of miracles. Now you remember all the examples. You remember in John chapter 2 where Jesus turns the water into the wine. The disciples did all that work. They got to experience a miracle that day. Over in John chapter 6 is where Jesus turns the fishes into the loaves. And you remember that happening. Now listen, lots of times when we think about miracles, we think about how they benefit others. But remember, Peter or Simon, he experienced a miracle that blessed him. And he was serving in ministry. If you go over to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, we don't have time to go there and read it. But Luke 5, verses 1 through 7 is where Jesus was preaching on the shoreline. And there was a great crowd of people, so he needed to be able to reach more of them. So he saw two empty boats and he said, let me use your boat. So he went and got Simon's boat and they cast out. And the Bible says he preached from the boat. Right. And then after he got done preaching, he came in and he said, Peter, throw your nets over to catch us. He said, go out a little bit deeper and throw your nets over so you can catch some fish. And what Simon Peter saying to him, he said, we've been fishing all night. We've toiled. We haven't caught anything. We're washing our nets. But nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. So they went out a little deeper. The Bible says they began to catch so many fish that they had to call along their partners. And it says both ships were so full that they began to sink. When you serve, you get to experience miracles. Miracles that will bless us. And not only do you get to experience them, but you get to be a part of having it happen. You build an atmosphere for it to happen. And you get to experience miracles. And yes, maybe miracles, maybe somebody is delivered and healed of the cancer they've been fighting in their body because you were serving. Maybe a marriage is restored because you were serving. Maybe a child or a teenager finds Jesus because you were serving. But also, what about the miracles in your life? 
See, because we have to understand, we know that Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And lots of times we equate that to money, but there's lots of ways to sow into the kingdom. Maybe you had to close your business early to come to a special Friday night service so you could serve. I would have an expectation for a miracle to happen in my business. Oh, come on now, supernatural growth in my business because just like Simon Peter, I've lent my resources, I've lent my business to the Lord so that way I could serve in the ministry. And anytime you're yielding your life so the gospel can go out, so the kingdom can grow, that is you serve and then it's exactly what Simon Peter did. He lent his boat to the Lord so the kingdom could be preached, so the kingdom could be expanded. And then we see a miracle happen, increase, supernatural increase to his business. As you serve, what am I telling you? Have an expectation, yes, for miracles to happen in other people's lives, but have an expectation for a miracle to happen in your life. Maybe you serve in the parking lot and someone blesses you with a brand new car. Well, that's just crazy. No, that's Bible. I'm serving. And as I'm serving, I'm setting myself up to receive miracles. It benefits you to serve in the body of Christ. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.